We're leaving America and heading overseas in order to buy American brands on this consumer goods edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools, and happy St. Patrick's Day. I am Sean O'Reilly with the one and only Vincent O'Shen, and we are joining you from... <laughs> He's laughing at me. <laughs> we are joining good. you from Fool HQ in beautiful Alexandria, Virginia. How you doing, Vince? Doing very well. Ha yep. Happy St. Patty's Day. Thank you. You like what I did with your name there? Yes, and you're, you, people, uh, the listeners can't see, but uh, Sean is dressed very appropriately for the holiday. Today. I've, I've got my green on. Nobody yeah. can pinch me. Um, so, uh, yeah, we are recording here on St. Patrick's Day, and we wanted to uh, basically just put together a show about American companies going overseas um, and which ones are doing it successfully, which ones are doing the most of their business overseas. Uh, who is first up here, Vince? So our first candidate, uh, a little bit related to uh, our fast food episode, our fast casual episode last week, is McDonald's. Bigger player, obviously, but inter interestingly enough, they have always been thought of, you know, as the quintessential American the company. Quintessential, now. yeah. And um, you know, only a third of their sales are based in the U.S. Now, they've gone, they've certainly gone global. And so, when we talk about, you know, Chipotle beating them up here in the United States, it might not matter. Well, yeah, it, it just depends on on your viewpoint there, because you know Chipotle's international expansions has been very slow, steady, gradual. They're still kind of testing the waters, seeing if it's really going to work for them. McDonald's been around much longer; they have twenty two thousand international locations, so they definitely have that uh, that little boost compared to their U.S. comps. I uh, I know we keep talking up uh, the advent of fast casual here and everything, but I do want to admit uh, I went to uh, Beijing in late 2009 going into 2010, and uh, McDonald's is how I survived. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just, uh, you know, the, sometimes local food's not for everybody. When I was traveling myself, I would I had maybe once or twice a Big Mac. It, it's nice to get a little taste of home. When taste you're, of home, you're, you're exactly. Abroad. That consistency, you can't beat it. So, yeah, they have... Um, 22,000 international locations, about 14,000 U.S. locations. Uh, you know, they operate in 100 qu countries. and uh, The world only has 190 countries, so that's that's a lot of the planet. It's significant for sure. Um, so in terms of, you know, this is Motley Fool, we try to get investing. How much money do they make abroad, like profitability-wise? Well, it's, you know, they are Cause annual... it's a big chunk of their earnings, right? Yeah, exactly. So... A third U.S. sales, so it's, I think it's about eighteen billion dollars for their annual from their international revenues. Um, the, is some of the issues that they're running into now, as a result of doing so much business abroad, is you'll see a lot of these companies that have been reporting earnings that are multinational businesses. They all have the same disclaimer, so to speak, in their earnings: is we are being significantly impacted by currency fluctuations yeah the uh the dollar is uh it's kind of up a lot <laughs> well yeah it's appreciating you know 20 it's the dollar index is up 20 percent in the past years against you know the basket of, of was it the euros now. at like its lowest level of the dollar since like 2003 or something yeah, like, very, <laughs> very very low levels so for mcdonald's personally for the year they're seeing currency having about a 35 to 40 cent impact on their eps that's a lot. Significant, for sure. That's a lot. Uh, so who's up next here? We've got uh, your friend and mine, Procter & Gamble. Correct, correct. Uh, so Procter & Gamble, kind of similar at their level. It, 
you know, thirty-five percent of their sales come from the U.S. They're doing business in hundred eighty countries. This is truly a global company. Yes, absolutely. A hundred and eighty countries. They're like. I mean, they probably don't operate in what well, North yeah. Korea, like just think about Cuba, some of the bra- just think about the brands that they have, and you can imagine that you know some of those companies like Gillette and things along those lines, their market shares are very imp- impressive. You know, Gillette has a seventy percent worldwide market share for razor products, essentially. So you can imagine that they're going to be you're going to find a Gillette razor pretty much in every corner of the world. Um, otherwise, you know. Th- other than the U.S., which has 35% of the sales, no other country makes it more than 10%. So they're pretty well diversified in that Including regard. the United States. Oh, no, uh, excluding the United States. Oh, okay. Like, so wow. the U.S. has 35%, and then all the other countries that they that Got they are- 65, uh, but then no other country makes it. Got it. Exactly. Very, very exactly. Nice. And um, you know, they have about $83 billion in annual revenue, and they have also run into similar issues with their currency effects where they think it's going to have a $1.4 billion after-tax effect on earnings. And the CFO recently said during the earnings call that you know this is going to be basically the most significant fiscal year currency impact they have ever incurred at the company. That's staggering. So you know that it, it's good for these companies to find growth, to expand abroad. A lot of consumer companies are, are heading in that direction, but... There's obviously hiccups that happen along right. the way. I can only assume that the pendulum's going to swing the other way at some point. You know, when Europe's then doing QE and all that good stuff that's killing the euro right now. But uh, looking at the 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 global stature of Procter, I mean, 180 countries. I'm actually kind of surprised. I'm sure you remember uh, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. They swapped the shares that they owned in Procter and Gamble for. Um, Procter and Gamble's Energizer subsidiary, and they own the battery maker now. Oh, okay. And. Uh, it was just, I think it's Energizer, it might be, yeah. But anyway, I was just because, like, I, if you want to take advantage of just the advent of a global middle class, I mean, there are only a handful of companies that are perfectly positioned for that. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, everybody needs Tide, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, another one that is truly, truly global, and I think this one is really something you will find in every corner of the world is Coca Cola. Yeah. Which. In you know, in their 10K, they say they operate about 200 countries and territories. It's pretty much anything, that's, everywhere you can go. I uh, yeah, if you had to pick a company on this list that owns planet Earth, it would probably be Coca-Cola. Yeah, of course. I uh, I went to the Coke Museum in Atlanta a number of years ago, and uh, they had this global video or whatever, and they showed a Coke delivery truck driving by the pyramids of Giza. Oh, really? And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that. That's going to happen. If only the ancient Egyptians can see what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Coca-Cola, you know, they do 40% of their revenues international, so not quite as heavily for uh, for them compared to some of the other companies we mentioned. Um, and what you were meant, and what you, uh, I wanted to go back to something you said earlier is the fact that, you know, it's really hard to forecast some of the, these currency fluctuations. So a lot of these management teams are saying now that they're, you know, reducing their guidance, taking a more conservative stance. They don't know where things are going to go because a lot of people expected the dollar to appreciate. They just did not expect it to to do so at such a rapid pace. This far, this fast. Exactly. And so there's some, you know, some of Wall Street's projecting that the euro and yen is going to continue to decline maybe another even 20% against dollar by 2017. So it just gives you an idea of that. These this is the status quo. I'm kind of surprised these companies aren't selling off more. <laughs> Uh, well, it's just, you know, it's 
if you're a multinational company, it's hitting you just like it's hitting hitting cost of doing else. business. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a uh, worthy component of this list is also your friend and mine, Walmart. Yes. So Walmart um, does 59% of their sales in the United States. Uh, for them, though, you know th- their U.S. segment is the biggest driver of their profits. Mm-hmm. The it has the best margins for them, essentially, and they're uh, not quite as worldwide, you know, uh, Global, present yeah. globally. You know, they're in 26 countries, makes up about 20 percent, 29, 30 percent of their sales, which is still a very significant 137 billion dollars, of course. Um, they run about 6,107 locations. Their biggest country is Mexico. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to think back, and I, with Walmart, I'm pretty sure they've been trying to get it right overseas, and it is not surprising to me at all that um, a good chunk of the, you know, 41% of the sales comes from overseas, but the profits are still here. Yeah. Um, and it's I, I, it's really hard culturally to get Walmart, which is built for America, the huge stores, the, the local, like everything. Absolutely. They've run into some issues. You know, they have their whole... You know, the business model revolving around the rock bottom prices, the large stores having everything in one place for, you know, lower middle income consumers. But they also need their supply chain and their distribution system to work flawlessly for that to 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 really be profitable for them. And they run into issues in certain countries where things simply do not operate the same way. In Germany, they had to shutter a lot of their locations and take a pretty significant write down due to the fact that the labor laws there and some of the other regulations simply did not allow Walmart to take advantage of its, you know, core operating strengths. Well, and even if Walmart had been able to, you know, get over all those issues you just mentioned, but um, you can't snap your fingers and get the distribution system that Walmart has here in the United States up and running overnight in China or Europe, or it just it doesn't work. Exactly. Uh, something, somebody, I guess, a competitor for a big competitor for Walmart here. Uh, Target is something I wanted to bring up. It, you know, they're mo- they're essentially a U.S. company now. They just threw in the towel on Canada. Exactly, and it's kind of an example of some. Not all of these expansions do go well. In January, they announced they're going to shutter. There are about 130 or so uh, locations in Canada. All the stores, just, yeah. Uh, just exiting the the market completely after only s- opening the first store maybe a few years ago, and as a result, they. Uh, they had to take a $5.4 billion pre-tax loss, and the issue there was too much too fast. Yep. And they took they took over uh, discount retailer Zellers, which is you know a chain up uh, up, up in Canada. And I just and that chain the, wasn't doing well. The quality obviously. of the locations, the quality of the stores themselves, they were running into a lot of issues, keeping shelves stocked, um, getting price points where. They'd be attractive. Yeah, yeah. where they'd be attractive. And and consumers were going in initially due to deep discounts, but they weren't coming back. And so they had to shutter their their, uh, international locations in Canada. So we just ran down this list of these huge companies that uh, are household names here in the United States, but have huge presence overseas. McDonald's, Procter & Gamble, Yambrans. How much money have they invested overseas? How much money do we have sitting overseas because you hear all, like the t word thrown around a lot trillion like this massive amounts of money that apple has overseas and all these companies yeah sure that's a i think quite a big uh regulatory like tax law issue that these companies are facing now because they are being uh, most of these countries where they operate in their international regions they're already seeing being taxed 
at that local level. And as a result, they don't want to get hit by corporate, U.S. corporate taxes again if they repatriate the money. And so it's estimated there's about $2, tri- $2 trillion of earnings that are left in foreign-controlled subsidiaries in order to avoid some of those tax implications. That's a lot of money. Yes. That is a, uh, a two followed by 12 zeros. <laughs> yes. Um, very significant. Um, Apple is one of the big, big examples, but Coca-Cola, too. They have 33 po- about $33 billion of untaxed foreign earnings, um, and of their cash and marketable securities, about 90% of it, $20 billion, is all held abroad. That's amazing. So it's just one of the big issues right now. Whether that's going to change, whether the government's going to enact a tax holiday so that these companies can repatriate Bring these earnings home, yeah. at a lower rate, it it's a very it's involves you know the political parties. So as a result, it's going to be very complicated. I wonder what discussions happen in these boardrooms with like uh, just as globalization continues in this century. If you know all the growth is going to be outside the United States, if these countries just wouldn't want to keep it overseas and just invest in operations and all that stuff yeah well just i think some of these companies will see ways of maximizing value for their shareholders in ways that like you say kind of shift focus to international markets like another uh a good example of that from 2008 was with philip morris where they basically spun off the international, the international give, segment, give investors an opportunity to get you know all the international growth. Exactly, you know that's where the best growth was. They wanted to avoid some of the, you know, the regulatory issues they were running to domestically, and so that's a a good example of some potentials. Walmart's there's been rumors about potentially spinning off, uh, like the Sam, uh, their Sam's Club segment, but also certain international segments as well. So. The, that is a way some of these companies are approaching the matter now that their businesses might not necessarily be majority based in the United States any longer. It's a brave new world. Very cool. Well, thank you for your time, Vincent. And once again, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patty's Day. We will see you later. Well, that's it for us, fools. Before we go, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a special offer available to all industry-focused listeners for a subscription to the Motley Fool's top-performing stock advisor newsletter. Head over to focus.fool.com to learn more about this special offer. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear on this program. Thanks for listening, and fool on.